All right, let's get it started. Boom, Mikey's in the house. We got Mike Mamola here co-hosting this Friday training with me. It's been he's he's on the anti-aging longevity kick because this guy, I thought he turned 50, but he looks like he's 39. I don't know what's going on with him, uh, but we're gonna have to find out. He's 52, but he looks like he's 49. And uh, he's joining us today. We're going to do uh, an amazing kind of BYOQ, bring on some great guests uh, that we have here today with us in about three minutes. But Mike, why don't you go unmute yourself and uh, see how you've been. How you been, Mike Mamola? I am fantastic. To you, you equally look fantastic. Um, yeah, we're here. I think it's just uh, natural living, right? Sun and, and water and diet and exercise and sleep and all of that stuff adds up over time. It's like you say, Dave, it's a progressive thing. One day at a time, one step at a time. You either go in the right direction or the wrong direction. But thank You're going you. in the right direction, man. Look at my shirt. I wore this for you. Hold on one second. I'm holding up my mushroom shirt. and. Oh. Uh, yes makes a, a, a definite <laughs> psilocybin guy and and uh, i adhere he i thought maybe he'd mention that is giving him longevity uh, let's talk life. about it mike yeah, yeah i mean look the yeah. results are in they're staggering results are in we just got back from the uh, psychedelic science conference in denver where it was extraordinary over twelve thousand people showed up and uh everything research from the uh, imperial college of london to stanford to harvard and yale are all showing the benefits of uh, plant medicine and how it really helps us in, you know, not just uh, mentally, but physically. So yes, you are as always right on point. Well, I wear this shirt just for you and I'm in your favorite country. Uh, well, maybe second favorite, cause I know your favorite country might be Portugal. I'm in Italy right now and I know you love yes. uh, Italy as much. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, where, where are you in Italy? I, I'm at the Rome airport right now, but I went to Porto. Uh, Portofino. Portola, Port, I, no, uh, yeah, Portofino. I went to Naples. I went to Rome. Uh, we went to uh, the Malfi Coast. Uh, all Beautiful. the kids and I and Julie. And I'm just, I'm on my way to Vegas to go speak. We got uh, uh, Itzler and my lad, myself, uh, Lauren Bostic, who I haven't seen in a long time. She's going to be there nice. in Vegas. We're going to do a meetup. So if anybody wants to meet us, by the way, we'll be in Vegas on uh tomorrow that's saturday i think your time 12 30 second floor uh and reluco post up there or we'll let you know where then we'll be filming two minute drill season five monday and tuesday vip dinners uh down there in the oc but uh mike it's time let's bring on our first guest uh we're so blessed to have you know probably the best guest in the world as you know jeff has been waiting in the wings why don't we bring uh jeff on real quick uh, there he is. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, David, Mike, good to see you. Likewise. Great to, great to see you, CEO of the Petowitz Group. And you have a new book out, AI Revenue Architect, Building Your Time Machine for Exponential Sales Growth. And I'm going to tell you, there's no doubt that if you're not taking advantage or learning about, at the very least, AI, there's going to be a serious gap that's going to be created. Uh, but we have to really understand how to use it as a servant and not as a master. Now, your book uh, unveils some great secrets of the revenue time machine. Why don't you give us a little insight on what you mean by the revenue time machine? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we all want to have predictable revenue growth in, in our businesses, but unfortunately, our data is siloed, our systems are all over the place. We have a lot of manual processes. The larger our company, the bigger the problem is. So with the time machine concept, and using the latest generation of AI tools, we can actually go back in time to grab all the data our businesses capture on our customers and our clients. It can organize it, it can synthesize it, and it can put it together in a way that gives us a lens forward. So that's really your time machine. So then once we have a good understanding of the past, AI can help us make better decisions going forward, which, look, we all have limited time. So we wanna be, be able to put our best foot forward. So great, Jeff. With, with all of the technology that's coming and specifically what you're referencing, um, are there different types of businesses and different sizes of businesses that benefit more or less from all of this technology? And if so, what are they? Well, really every business is going to be able to benefit from AI. It's not uh, just for one sector or one size. Now, just like all kinds of other software, there will be certain investments uh, people can make. So one of the best things, of course, about some of the large language models is right now they're free. They're ubiquitous. Of course, it does come with a downside in that they're also public 
So we have to be really careful with what kind of data that we put into some of these engines. But uh, coming out next month, for example, will be Microsoft Copilot. And just for all of us that use some office application, which is probably 95% of the planet, right? Being able to have AI in Excel to be able to start building formulas and doing analysis on data, that will be a huge boost, even for an individual solopreneur or a small business. And Jeff, um, you know, there's an old saying, if it's free, then you're the customer. I mean, uh, you're the product. Um, and a lot of people have reservations about the data side of it and the accuracy of the synthesized data, the currency of the synthesized data. What are some of the things that we should be aware of as we're utilizing the groundbreaking tool? Well, look, it's like anything else uh, or what Reagan said way back then. It's trust but verify, right? So uh, we can't just assume just because AI can do it at warp speed that what it comes out with will be 100% accurate. So we still have to have a fundamental understanding of our business and go through. But just like we take safeguards today with our clients' data, with personal data, with uh, private information, you can take the same safeguards. So if we're going to put our data into an open model like ChatGPT, strip out names, uh, just put in numbers. I mean, so there is going to be then no affiliation with your data and what's coming out. And then go through that information and validate it. Uh, have sit down with your CFO, go through the models and, and validate it. Sure, it's going to make mistakes sometimes. It's still learning. It also, though, has some huge advantages as well. So trust but verify. And, and Jeff, how important is it? You know, it's the old adage of garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. How important is it for these companies to have a very clear handle on exactly what's going on financially in their company so that they can input the necessary information into AI to get the, the desired results? And what are those what are those metrics that people should be looking at? I know the sophisticated companies have them, but we have a lot of founders and, and startup entrepreneurs that listen to us here early on. What should people be looking at as the markers as to what they'll need to, to get that kind of output or that kind of information from a company like yours? Yeah, great, great, great questions. Um, and you, you said it right. And you know, AI is still just software. Uh, so if you put in bad data, it's going to spit out bad data, bad decisions. So. You do have to do some scrubbing in the beginning, but look, the basics for any business, who is my customer? What is the average cost per sale? What is the lifetime value of one of my customers? What is the length of my sales cycle? Um, how much pipeline coverage do I need in order to be able to get to my results? What are my conversions at each step of my sales funnel? And what do I have to do to improve that? On the finance side, days outstanding, right? Uh, return on capital, cash flow. Just basic business principles that every good business owner or executive should have a handle on at all times. My accounts receivable, my accounts payable, just basic. And so then if you can do that, plugging AI into these systems will be able to analyze the data faster and be able to render more accurate decisions over the course of time. Yeah. And one of the other critical business issues um, is, you know, an application of daily usage of AI. So uh, instead of looking at current revenue strategies and higher level sales, um, I find that a lot of you know people feed on the street, door knockers uh, are resistant to AI. And I think it's a huge mistake uh, because there's so many applications that we can utilize it. What are some of the ideas uh, utilizing the secrets of the revenue time machine that the feed on the ground can use, not just the managers, directors, and executives of a company? So there are, there are four parts in, in the book that built the time machine around rain. There, it's really automating revenue processes. It is cleaning up, improving your data. It's personalized in the customer experience and it's developing new revenue streams. All of us could always, we're constantly in search for more productivity tools. And we've been using them for years, right? We have email and we have office platforms and we have smartphones and we have all of these kinds of things that help us get more done in a day. So starting off with just your revenue tasks, the things that you're doing manually today inside your business that, uh, that AI can easily take over and automate will give you time back so that you can put it into more value-added activities. I mean, that is one of the most, and I think over the next two years, that's going to be the most prevalent use of, of AI. And it makes sense, right? Don't, don't, you don't have to get too far ahead of yourself. Yes, the revenue time machine is exciting. And, and, and all those kinds of things. But if you could just free up more time of yourself and your most valuable employees so that you can invest 
with your customers and brainstorming new strategies, that in of itself will be a huge win. Yeah, Jeff, and, and it's so exciting and it's moving so fast. Where do, where do we go from here in, in the next six months? And it's hard to go out further, six months or a year or so. Where do we go from here and what kinds of things is your company thinking about to enhance even more the productivity and the profitability of, of clients and customers? Well, it, it, it is innovating at a breakneck speed. We have not seen this pace of innovation, I don't think ever, at least as it relates to technology. The best example I could give is, you know, think of when the internet came to, to, to be in the 90s and that just a huge innovative push and it launched Google and, and social media and email marketing. And then the smartphone, of course, starting in 2007 with Apple. This is a once in a generation type of thing. So what, you know, what we can do though is don't be shy, right? It, it's AI is not gonna replace anybody but people that know how to use AI will replace employees that are resistant to change. And that's the important thing. So get a chat GPT account, sign up for a Jasper, use Google Bard, go get Copilot if you have Microsoft 365, start playing with it on a daily basis. Uh, what we're helping our clients do is plan to plan, right? So what, what things can be automated with AI in the next six months? What are the areas of your revenue model that you wanna tackle first? And it's, it's really no different than any other business decision. Prioritize, look at the risk reward, sequence it out, pick one big initiative a quarter and go get it. Yeah. Dave, do you have a follow-up? Do you want me to jump uh, on again? No, no, I think we're ready to go ahead and uh, thank Jeff for coming. I think anyone that's not looking for an architecture, not looking for this type of time machine, like I said, things are moving and changing quickly. You do not want to fall behind this gap. We've seen it historically in the last decade. I've seen it since 1992 when Justice Scalia told me that nobody would ever do research on the Internet, uh, that you needed books. Uh, and we can see that gap for those people that are still using books to do research where they're going to be. So uh, I highly encourage everyone grabbing a copy of this book. Jeff, where can people find you and the book? Yeah, thanks, David. It is on Amazon. Uh, they can also go to my personal URL, jeffpedowitz.com. And uh, or check me out on, on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Um, and uh, I'm easy to get to. So, guys, thank you so much for having me on the program. Thanks, Jeff. Great stuff. Love it. We are rocking and rolling. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, just to remind you, uh, we'll get to CEO of Petowitz Group in the book, petowitzgroup.com. AI Revenue Architect, Building Your Time Machine for Exponential Sales Growth. Uh, we are blessed. Jake, why don't you go ahead and reset the room before we bring our next guest in. Will do. Thank you so much, Jeff. Anyone does want to connect with Jeff, just feel free to email David. David's email is david at dmelzer.com. David. Today's training is the office hours training. Welcome everyone to doing training for over 20 years. We got some incredible guests with the Zucros uh, as well. Mike Mamola, thank you everyone for being here. Uh, let's take a second here to share the room. You can do that on Clubhouse. You can do it at the bottom. There's a link. There's a square with an arrow. If you push that, you can share the room on Twitter, Facebook, all your favorite social media platforms, your tests, and then of course here on Clubhouse. Dave, I will pass it back off to you. We got uh, another guest coming on at 6.25 Pacific time. So do you want to take a couple questions while we wait for our next guest? Yeah, I think it's uh, at 6.20. So we got about four minutes. And I think I'm going to take a question from Mike Mamola since he's on here. And Mike, I haven't uh, talked to you uh, in the recent as all the traveling has been going on. So what question is, you know, you've seen a lot of shit out there. What questions pounding your mind? Yeah. The, the question I have, Dave, is what in the world other than technology is most exciting to you right now? You know what? Believe it or not, I know people are going to freak out about it, but I think that uh, <laughs> aliens, I, I just I think uh, alternative life forms <laughs> are super intriguing to me. Like if you're watching this stuff, there, there's so many incidences around the world of it's like, coming it's, it's ridiculous stuff and i think you're you know maybe a little bit and i don't put judgment on others i think you need to at least open your mind it's kind of like the master shaw shit that i love right i taste yeah. 
I trace calligraphies because it works for me. I'm a best options person also. So like believing in something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom is just because nobody can tell me something better to believe in that helps me uh -huh. more during the day. So I think believing in other life forms uh, is a good option and uh, doing your research about it would be very at the very least super entertaining and interesting at the very least um and i just think there's so much going on in that world beyond technology that excites me a lot kind of figuring out all the historical relevances compared to the future relevances and aliens excite me how about you mike are you an alien guy i i've been for 25 years and my partners have uh, laughed at me you know they mock you they laugh at you they this and then they join you and and uh you know, I have an uncle back in New Jersey who goes by the moniker Dr. UFO. He's the guy that got a lot of these people on Ancient Aliens started. He was the guy that's been doing this for 50 years, compiling evidence and information. So I've been on the bandwagon for a long time. Now we're starting to see it more and more on different channels and different streaming uh, networks and podcasts. And I can tell you, Dave, it's there. there's a lot of really, really compelling evidence. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, plant medicines and psychedelics, one of the things that some of the, the top colleges around the world now are exploring is 5-MeO DMT and traditional DMT. And something that's really interesting, one of the groups that I'm affiliated with, I sit on the board with a guy named Graham Hancock, so who a lot of people know. Graham is ancient civilizations. He's been doing this for 40 years. One of the things that's very interesting is that when people undergo different levels of or explore different levels of consciousness through the use of psychedelics, is specifically with this one with DMT is that they have visions and interactions with different entities from different dimensions. That's interesting in and of itself. But the really interesting part is that different people, hundreds of different people in different studies and different places around the world have the same experience when they're asked to describe what the entity looked like, how they interacted. They're exactly the same. Now, this is either an incredible coincidence or there's something else going on. Hey, what you pay attention to and what you give intention to equals the coincidences, the coinciding of the dimensions of life. And so I teach that as being a student of anything to pay attention to and give intention to the coincidences that you're interested in or you want. It is time to bring our next guest on. Hopefully we didn't scare him away with our alien talk, but I'm 100% on board with you. And uh, our friend Satyan is here. Raja, the CEO and founder of Warrior Sage Training, and he has a new book, Accelerated Evolution, and uh, talked about uh, an absolutely great adjective to describe the world today, I believe is accelerated in every aspect. There's a higher frequency, a higher vibration, a higher acceleration. Welcome to our training on Friday office hours, Breakfast with Champions. We're multicasting all over the place. Uh, Satyan, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, and uh, the discussion you were having was right up my alley, so I was a little jealous I didn't get to hop in on <laughs> all of that because there's aliens in my backyard right now, but uh, good morning. <laughs> good morning. I'm, I'm, I'm a hybrid, and I think it's alien musk, not Elon musk, but we won't go there. Um, there's some basic modern uh, psychology uh, that you utilize in order to allow us to reach our full potential. I was hoping we'd start with the psychology of the accelerated evolution. Yeah, well, you know, I mentor CEOs of, of substantial companies, and they're always looking for a fast and deep way of transformation, the ones I'm working with. They don't have all the time in the world to shift their consciousness, upgrade themselves, go to a next stage. My philosophy is, is that we can push ourselves as fully as we can, really strong and hard, achieve levels of peak performance. But what do you do when you're already at that level of peak performance? I like to go to the next stage, which I call peak existence. Performance is pushing, pushing more and more yang energy, which, yes, you'll get a lot of results done in your life, but you'll also have balancing forces. You'll get lack of health, breakdown in relationships if you keep pushing down uh, the, the yang yang force. Peak existence is having a life of equilibrium, connecting your soul, your mind, your spirit to your purpose, to your vision, to all that's going on. So that's the main distinction. I help people go from, um, if you will, mule energy into magician energy. Hardworking into manifestors. Satyan, you you just, um, I think you just summed up my existence for the last 20 years. And, and I've been on stages and in front of cameras. I've been fortunate enough to do that with Dave for about the last five years, explaining to people what my transformation has been. And, and you just summed it up perfectly. So thank you. And that was it. It was that peak performance versus peak existence. 
And it all changed when I decided that I was willing to be open enough to look at and to learn all of the things that I had never been exposed to. Born and raised in the Northeast, went to college, went to law school, wore a suit, went to court. That was my existence, achieved success yes. until I didn't, until I got that burnout that you were talking about, right? And things just didn't feel right. And then it was going down that spiritual path. I'd never been exposed to it and understanding that everything around us, like you said, is energy. So how do we, and, and now that's, that, that is my entire existence. So thank you for that. Thank you for the reminder. Now, you know, more and more people are starting to embrace this. And, and I love the idea of, of, you know, what you're doing with, you know, the warrior sage trainings and better to be a better to be a, a, a like a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war yeah. kind of thing, getting people into that mindset. How do we get people to understand what you're talking about when you say energy and spirituality and this different way of existing? Because it is a different dimension. It is a different way of existing that a lot of people don't know. Well, you know, I'll put it really simply, okay, using the metaphor of a mirror reality. So when we're looking into a mirror right now, you know, I don't have much hair. Some of you guys still, Mike, you still got pretty good hair. David, I'm not sure yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when we look in the mirror and if we're frowning, obviously the mirror frowns back, okay? The reflection is coming back. If I'm smiling and putting out positive energy, well, the mirror smiles back. It's a very obvious thing that we understand. What we don't understand is reality itself is like a slow motion mirror. It is reflecting back the transmission of who we are, what we're putting out, what we're emanating, what we're filling the room with, but the rate of return of its reflection is slower. So if we're frowning and we hope that the mirror of life is coming back in some happy way, it's not going to happen. If we're smiling and we're open, we're receptive, we're looking at what new avenues, what's my new vision, what's my new purpose, what's the universe have in store for me? How can I be a better man, a better spouse, a better husband, a better father, a better leader of my organizations? When I come from that openness, that willingness, that, that question, well, guess what? And I maintain that, the universe will slowly reflect back like a large yodel. So imagine that, you know, if we have that mindset that truly I am the center of my reality, I'm the one that's generating what's coming back to me, that's a high level of responsibility. Whether it's 100% true or not, that's not the point. The point is if you make it an attitude, then all of a sudden you go from victim to empowerment. You go from default, that's the way the world's going to work, to no, I'm going to carve out, I'm going to create the world of my own choosing, my own life. Now, as leaders, it's imperative that we show that to our families, show that to all the people that we're working with or working with us that we're in teams with, because right now, our state of being is the most important thing on this planet right now, in my belief, because that's going to get us over the hump of all the negativity that we've been going through over the last years. The media is full of negativity. I'm glad you two gentlemen are adding to the positivity and consciousness and positivity to the world. So let's be the let's let's put into the mirror reality of the world who we truly are and watch what happens in the return. That's beautiful. And I just want to add that grass does not grow on a busy street, uh, which is reflective <laughs> of that beautiful uh, head of yours. So uh, we, we know someone's a thinker. Uh, when we're talking about accelerated evolution, there has to be a foundation in the past. Yes. Uh, and I spend a lot of time every day researching from Sanskrit uh, to the Course in Miracles uh, to Lao Tzu uh, and have learned that life is a paradox. And well, it seems to me in that accelerated uh, perspective that you have, what are some of the things in the past that are indicative that you've researched to help people understand this evolution of acceleration? Because without the foundation of where you're coming from, I think people have difficulty understanding an accelerated manifestation. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've been involved in the personal growth, spiritual consciousness journey for about 45 years now. I started as a youth in martial arts, Kung Fu. Kung Fu has a deep warrior aspect, but it has a deep spiritual aspect. Its roots are in self-realization, learning to recognize what our true nature is, utilizing, uh, you know, the, the, the duress that martial arts invokes. You learn to find your center. And so our accelerated evolution processes, it's a combination of many forms of psychotherapy, traditional psychotherapy, psychology, neurophysics, 
ancient Eastern wisdom from many sources. Taoism, as you said. Also, it's based on uh, meta the metaphysics of duplication. So in essence, this particular methodology, accelerated evolution, we find out what's stuck in an individual. You know, we can talk about what dreams you have and all of that, but if that's being hampered by unconscious, if you will, family imprints, beliefs that you have that you picked up along the way that are not really fully about who you truly are, they're about appeasing other people, you know, following someone else's path, making mom and dad feel, hey, listen, am I worthy if I'm doing this right, whether they're alive or not? We've got all these imprints that are running us. What we do in our work is we go right to the core. We find out what's bothering you, where are you most stuck in, what's where, what's heaviest in your life right now. Could be finances, could be relationship, could be health, could be spirit, wherever it is. Rather than circle around, we go right to the source, we look right at it, and that sometimes can be uncomfortable. But literally, we have a process where we look at what are the images in our mind when we have these stuck moments, trauma moments, challenging bad experiences of the past, things that shut us down in some way. What are the images in our mind? What's the thoughts that we have in our mind? What are the emotions we have in ourselves? And what are the body sensations we have? In some forms of healing, you're more sometimes working on the images you have, or you're shifting the mindset beliefs, or you're working on releasing the emotional charge you've built up, or you're restructuring your body, your presence, your physiology. What we do is all of them. Images, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. And literally, we can go from stuck trauma states, people have been suffering their whole life, and literally have it dissolve in 15 minutes or less. This is being studied by some of the biggest universities right now. We have, um, you know, hundreds of therapists that we've been training, therapists, physicians, doctors, psychologists, all around the world because of the power and how fast it works and how deep it works. People aren't just looking for something that transforms them deeply. People don't have the time. Leaders don't have the time to go around two, three hours per day, go to a therapist, we'll clock in, drive there, come back altruistic, well-meaning, but we've actually made a breakthrough in the solution of the most rapid, deepest transformation that anyone can have that takes them from a stuck state into what we call unity consciousness or state of oneness. When we, so it's way beyond psychology, way beyond NLP, way deeper than hypnosis. We go right to the core of the soul. When we heal the, the fragmented soul, then what shows up in the world totally changes. And the experience, what it feels like, is that you go from pain, suffering, anger, frustration, lack, fear, into oneness. When you go into oneness with the feeling that you're connected to everything and that you, if you will, have accelerated beyond the stuff of the world, then what happens is rather than take 5, 10, 20 years to move through your stuff, in 15 minutes to an hour, you can come out the other end and never have to deal with that problem again. This is a huge breakthrough. It's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, the atomic bomb for healing in a way. In a few minutes, bam, we're, we're, we've dealt with the ego once and for all. Satyan, I feel like I could sit here and listen to you talk all day. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so many parallels and just so, so many questions that I have. You know, I think the first and, and the most important one for me is how do we get people to a point where they're willing to, to take this step? And, and I'll use myself as an example. You know, I, I, I've been on this journey with mindfulness, spirituality, meditation, biohacking, et cetera, for about seven or eight years now. Over the last five years, heavily interested in uh, altered states of consciousness and psychedelics, plant medicine, how that can help us heal. One of the things that I've most recently been interested in and in, in studying is shamanism. And I, and I made, and the, this is, I'm getting to the question here. I made a very important, but very difficult decision recently where I would spend three months on and off in, in the mountains outside of San Diego with a shaman to learn what he's been studying for the last 20 years in and out of Peru. That was hard because I'm busy. You're busy. Dave's busy. Everybody listening to this is busy. The things that we want them I'm to active. learn. I just have to interrupt. I'm not yes. busy. I'm active. active. Busy people, they're unavailable. I'm active, man. I'm so very active. How do we get them? Because they don't understand this. They're afraid of it very yeah. often, right? Fear is the biggest dream killer. How do you get them to a point where you say, slow down, listen to what I have to say? 
I want you to understand how this can be helpful. And to sum it all up, I heard a great quote recently that slow is smooth, smooth is fast. How do we get people to embrace that in an indigenous and shamanic and spiritual that's, way? That's a great, that's a great question. So Mike, I too have been immersed in shamanism for 35 years, way before people even knew about this. I've been leading medicine ceremonies, ayahuasca and things now for, and I've had thousands of, uh, you know, students coming through, you name it. So this is very close to my heart too. Now, because I come from Bruce Lee's lineage and Bruce Lee's philosophy is absorb what's useful, discard what's no longer useful and come up with your own creations. And so I'm one to like my spiritual growth in a hurry because I like to live, like David was saying, the fullness of life. I'm not busy, I'm active. I like to have an active life in life. If you're an individual who likes to have an active life in life, and you're feeling, you know what? I know there's my in, there's a stirring inside myself that's calling me to live way beyond I'm living now. I don't even know what that means. It just means I feel stuck in my state. There's a momentum of the past. There, I'm defaulting into what I'm doing. My soul, my being, I'm sick and tired of where I'm at. Although I'm just sort of treading the waters in reality and experience. When you've come to that point, you can continue down that road and it always goes downhill. The universe doesn't change unless you meet it and say, listen, I'm ready for something new, divine. Life, love, the universe, Gaia, Mother Earth, Spirit, however your connection is, I'm ready for something new in this world. I'm ready to live in a more freer, fuller way. And, and here's the bottom line. If I ask everyone to go to the deepest experience in their life, a pivotal moment where everything shifted, where there was some deep transformation. It could have happened immediately through some challenge, through whatever could have come. Take a moment just to feel what that was and when that happened. When you came really home. The first time I came home and I felt, man, this is was when I came into my master's kung fu school at 12 years old. I felt up to that time I wasn't in, like I didn't know what life was about. When I came home, Everyone from my wife, it's this moment she got on stage and started dancing as a teenager. Everyone has, you have your own moment. We all have. Find that moment and then ask yourself, everyone who's listening, do I want my life to be, do I want the foundation of my life to evoke this depth? Do I want my whole life to evoke this sense of home and well-being and connectedness and being on and being in my spirit? being in my flow, being in my fullness. If that's the life you really crave, rather than just have it here and there, that's what you want to listen to. Because that's not only possible, it's our birthright, my friends. That level of freedom is the way we're meant to live. The default of what the system has got us wrapped up in is not really living. It's half gray, half dead living. Real living is when our soul and mind are activated, are in unity, and we can come there fast today. We just have to have the impetus to say, no, I'm no longer, I'm no longer going to, here's the essence, Mike, I'm no longer going to tolerate what I have been tolerating. And when you start allowing yourself to no longer tolerate whatever mediocrity, whatever challenges, whatever status quo has got you by the chains, then you need to say, I'm no longer willing to tolerate this. I won't. Just that declaration will bring in forces of change, transformation, and awakening into your life. Aho. Wow. Satyan Raja. Uh, do you have an audio book, by the way? Because I, I, I love listening to books. Do you have an audio book on this? It, it, it's coming. I've got my book, Transcendent CEO, coming in audio book as well. Nice. I'll be listening to it, uh, but send me a copy as well. Accelerated evolution. Yeah. This man speaks Mike in my language and his vibration and frequency belongs in our neighborhood and our neighborhood is the breakfast of champions and office hours. We'll see this man on Apple TV with us as well. We're going to invite him back on many other shows. The world needs more of you, my friend. I'm so glad that I've attracted you into the show in my life. Uh, you are speaking uh, the soul speak that I love to listen to and learn from. So thanks for taking the time early in the morning here on the West Coast. I don't know where I am, but Mikey, you on the East Coast or the West Coast? Miami. Miami East Coast. All right. We got the whole world covered from Rome to the East Coast to the West Coast. Thanks, Satyan. Check out that book, Accelerated Evolution, warriorsage.com. 
the man speaks for itself. My past lawyer, my past life as a lawyer, it's called res ipsa loquitur. It speaks for itself. Thank you so much, Satyan. An honor, gentlemen, and everyone you, listening. Satyan. Have a great morning and a beautiful day. I'll be You're in awesome. touch. Thank you. <laughs> so good. So good, my friend. That was awesome. How about that, Mikey? You haven't Incredible. We still bring the best guests in the world on Breakfast of Champions on Office Hours on Friday. And Mikey's one of uh, the OGs. He's been on more episodes of Office Hours than anyone else. He was consistent and still is and being here. And I, man, my team deserves great kudos for bringing on these first two guests. Jake, so why don't you go ahead and reset the room? Make sure people know where we're going to be. Let them know we got a free book for them. They can email me, david at dmeltzer.com. I'll sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping and the book. Uh, so go ahead, email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Jakey, it's all yours. Why don't you go ahead and reset the room? Satyan, you can also email David. Uh, David's email, as mentioned. If anyone wants one of these for free, for any of David's or guides, uh, wants a update on where David will be as well, you can just email David. Email David at I'm David at dmelzer.com. Just some update. Actually, where be so oh, July 15th, Saturday. It'll be a meetup in Lost Lost World at. 30 p.m. So if anyone is in Las Vegas tomorrow, this morning on Monday and Tuesday of next week, July 2nd and 18th, if anyone is there or would like to join. And then also for uh, the week after that in Chicago, July 26th, July 27th in Indianapolis, and then August 10th in New York City and August 20th in San Luis. So a lot of great if anyone is or would like to join, just email David. We would love to meet everyone. See you there at the meetups, at the VIP dinners, where everyone is. So thank you so much, Dave. It's been an incredible training so far. Amazing getter on the office hours training with Mike Mola. We got another guest that is super excited to come on. So, Dave, I will pass it back off to you. And thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Raluca, give me a thumbs up if uh, Alejandra is coming or if we take a new guest on Breakfast of Champions. Uh, Alrighty, uh, good because I really want to talk about the crowing. If anyone knows what crowing is, crowing.com, C R O I N G. Uh, but I'm gonna go back to a little Mike Mamola talk while we're waiting because I think, uh, for me, the, the incredible alien side of stuff of it, and I didn't know the complete background. I knew uh, my wife and him have had some deep conversations about alternative ways of thinking and an open yeah. mind and open heart and open hands. Mike, can you share one of your uncle's stories? Your uncle, I think you said? My, my uncle, yeah. Can you yeah. give us, share a story that got you so involved? Like when you were young, I'm sure he was, you know, he, the reason there's ancient aliens. Give me a story. He, he was working with a woman. This is probably 40 years ago and, and we're back in uh, New Jersey, in central New Jersey. And he was working with a woman and, and the woman was on her deathbed. And uh, she was at home and, and they, uh, you know, doctors had come to give her the last rites and things. And her family was just waiting. And she was in her in her bed that that night. And um, she had this vision of a light coming to her window and these beings coming in the window and taking her out kind of like gravitationally out of the window and over the neighborhood. And as she went over the neighborhood, she went up into this light and said they had performed some things on her and told her some things that she ultimately didn't reveal. And then brought her back and it was a longer process and brought her back into her room. The next morning she went running downstairs. She was younger. She was only a young teenager at the time when this had happened and telling her mother, mommy, daddy, I'm all better. I'm all better. The, 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 um, the angels fixed me. The angels fixed me. They're like, what are you talking about? And she explained that there was this light in the ship and this being and um, parents thought that she had lost her mind, called over the doctor. She was healed. She was good. And uh, it sounded incredible. And one of the things that she had added was she described some things that were on the roofs of certain uh, houses. Like if you go look at this one house, there's a tennis ball in the gutter or there's a piece of this on the roof of this other house. Things that you couldn't see unless you were either on the roof or you had kind of an aerial view. And this is before drones. And it just made you think, like, how did she know that? Where did this come from? How did she get better? And just stories and stories and stories like that over and over again. 
That story is from a long time ago. What have you recently? I saw the Las Vegas thing that was really compelling. There was footage from the police. There was footage from actual phone calls, uh, videos from so many different people in so many different places. Um, But yet there's still resistance. Uh, What's a current one is then we'll bring in our crowing friend here. That's it. There was the one in Las Vegas and and the one in Brazil. And now with technology and, and phones and everything, these things are captured on hundreds of devices, uh, you know, and from different perspectives. It's it's just impossible to refute anymore. And I think that's why more and more it's being embraced by media. It has to be. When there were three channels on the television 30 years ago, it was easy to kind of control the narrative. Now it's very difficult. We have the Internet. We have, you know, channels like Gaia and uh, Ancient Aliens and History Channel. It's tough to kind of keep that kind of a secret or go in the direction that you want it to go. So all of these instances, Vegas, Brazil, uh, things that are just happening, popping up all over the world simultaneously, you start to see this all around, especially like nuclear sites and military bases and other things. It's really fascinating. So, fascinating. So, you know, stay, stay tuned. I think we're going to see a lot in the next year or so. Yeah, it's really cool. And the government's actually come out and admitted to a lot of different things as well. People, I mean, it's out there. Navy so, pilots and yeah, yeah. military officials. All right, we have a couple minutes here, so let's bring on our friend Alejandra Salazar. She's the CEO. Oh my goodness, look at that smile! She's the <laughs> CEO of Crowing, and uh, I always say, you know, build your brand, find your frequency, and it's a three hundred and sixty approach uh, to that experience. And Alejandra is an expert at that as well with her Crowing Creative Agency, Crowing dot zero and growing with a G. Welcome to Office Hours and the Breakfast of Champions Friday training. How are Thank you, you today, I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. Well, good. I'm going to start right where I uh, kind of suggested, which is, you know, when you believe building a brand is about a frequency or a vibration, building a brand is about understanding the spectrum of the frequency, the strength of the secret, uh, frequency, uh, and the reach of it as well. But it all revolves around one thing, people. And it seems to me that although you look a lot less uh, experienced than Mike and I, meaning younger and much better looking, uh, but <laughs> more importantly, you've learned the great lesson of frequency of people. Uh, how much of your global creative agency revolves from New York, LA, Miami, Buenos Aires, Santiago, Chile, etc., works around understanding the frequency of people? I think right now, uh, last year, we changed our our slogan to be we're really helping brands to be closer to people because we notice that every social media right now is all about how you connect with people and to connect with people you you need to be authentic you need to be you need to understand their culture i think part of my background come because when i was 19 and i finished my degree in the university i felt like i knew about business i mean the ones that you learn in the university and i knew about design but i was lacking of culture so i asked my family to please send me to Germany. So my mom and my dad, they asked for a loan and sent me there. And when I was in Berlin, I really started understanding like all different cultures. Like I'm originally from Venezuela. So you can think of like Germany being super different in terms of everything, like culture, background, the weather and so on. So then I started my journey of traveling and building my agency while I was living in Mexico, Spain, uh, the U.S. and really like that gave me the overview of understanding that if you want to connect with people, you really need to understand how they their story, their layers, what they care, what they are thinking right now. And I think social media helps a lot to drive and listen to that conversation. So when you build a brand, especially in those days, you need to rethink, think and rethink if the brand is already established on how the people and your fans are, will be shaping your brand and not you putting the, the, all the layers and rules and stuff. But I understand that for brands it's different to take this approach because creators and fans are building their brands right now. But I think it's like they will need, they will need to do it at some point, so they better start as soon as possible. Alejandro, good morning. And mm-hmm. uh, good, you said something, I think, very powerful, and I, I want to make sure that we touch on that a little more because I think some people need to understand it better. It's authenticity, right, and the connection. 
So, so if we if we meet in person with each other, uh, or on Zoom, or or however we meet with each other, whether we're individuals or we are brands, we are subconsciously determining whether or not is this person friend or foe? Is it friend or foe? Is this someone I should run from? Is it someone I should do business with? And 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 that happens in milliseconds. And and so that really comes down to authenticity, right? We're we're evaluating how authentic is this individual? How authentic is this brand? How do we get brands and, and people to be authentic? Because it is often difficult, right? And we do find with social media, the biggest influencers, they're being authentic. It's like, hey, love me or hate me, this is who I am. Brands, it's the same thing. How do we get people to that place of authenticity so that they can connect in a very powerful way? I think for brands, it's all about thinking, for example, how they started, like go to the basics, right? like what is the service you are providing like what, or the product, but like what's the emotion you are creating or your product is creating or what's your values. And it might sound like values and stuff, but it's really like understanding what's the role of the brand in the world and what's the impact the brand can have in the world and then take it from there and being able to communicate it. So I think it's all about, because for example, in, in my case as a, as a human being, is thinking like what makes me me so for brands is the same what makes brands brands like their founders their story the product they sell how the people react so that like trying to read like when i started working with any company in, like in the agency we really go back to their story what they do what what are their differentiator like what is really how they are impacting people's life even though they are selling a product or selling a service like that doesn't matter at the end of the day it will be part of someone else's life or, or if it's a B2B or a business. So how do you impact, impact that life? And then understanding where are like, I call it like intention umbrellas, which is like, I don't know if you see, let's say Gary Vee that I know you know like, you can think of him and understanding like he talks about kindness, he speaks about friendship. So you can, if you think about him and you say four words that he's known for, you will immediately take it, right? And that's, how, that's because he has clear intentions in his communication, and I think you guys as well. So for brands, should be the same. Like, if you think on a brand, you need to be able to put in four words that brand, and that's how the brand should be positioned. But working with brand in these days, they think, like, sometimes they need to talk about more the value, the price, or, I mean, a lot of stuff that people at this point don't care. They really care about the connection. And to get to the connection, you need to understand who are you. And I think it happens, like, for me, it was therapy that helped me understanding and traveling the world. And I think we do for brands kind of therapy to understand what, who they are, so then we are able to communicate. You're I don't wise. know if you answered the question, but I hope. Yeah, you did, and you're wise beyond your years. In fact, Gary and I share a lot of core values that we teach in gratitude, empathy, accountability, and inspiration. Oh, yeah. And so, and we're very clear about making a lot of money so we can help a lot of people and have fun. Speaking of which, you help so many people in an area that I started working in. Mike probably doesn't even know this, but I'm creating a fund, uh, which is for men. Uh, and it's men only to raise money to fund women only, women of color and women only, because it's the most disparate area that we need for especially entrepreneurs to fund the people who know how to make money better than anyone, which are women and <laughs> even women of color. Uh, and you'll see here in 2023, we're probably gonna drop below the 2% mark of women of color getting funding in 2023. And yet, you know, women and people of color equal 73% of our country and less than 2% will be funded. And if you take out Stanford graduates, I don't even want to mention what that percentage would be. Your NGO promotes visibility of women and non-binary individuals in your industry. How important is it for people to unlearn our societal unintentional biases and start supporting people like you and your causes to help build the equilibrium and pro progress that uh, only helps everyone because, you know, I, as much as it sounds, I have three daughters, a beautiful wife, that I'm this amazing humanitarian. Underlying my great belief of equity is making money, and I find the best way to make money is to fund women. Uh, so there's a little bit of greed mixed into my generosity and humanity. How can we help promote your purpose and cause of visibility of women and non-binary individuals? 
I think the most important thing, I 100% agree with you on really like supporting females and supporting uh, all the diverse spectrum that doesn't get the same opportunity sometimes is a smart decision in terms of making money, like 100%. The way women understand so many things is just different and you can see on how the COVID was treated for female uh, presidents compared to other countries. And like, I mean, there is many examples. Um, in my opinion, uh, it's not all, and like my purpose in life is to give the opportunity for them to speak. So I think like what you are doing here of letting me express what I do and what my company does is key. And also in my case, like I found my company, founded my company eight years ago and it's open for everyone. But of course I always try my, the leaders that they are female and they can be representative and they have a space to talk. It's not only about me. Like if you go to our social media, which is crowing underscore agency, you will see all of them talking and expressing their ideas. And right now I'm working with each, of, each individual of my company on building their personal brand, understanding why, what are their intentional umbrellas, like umbrellas of intention, so they can really speak and have their voice and like have opportunities. So I think the best way to support females and to, is giving the space. Like if you are in a room full of men, you need to be asking yourself like, where are females? Because 100% they are doing their job as well and they are doing amazing stuff in the area, but they are just not sitting in the same room. So you need to be open those doors so they can sit there and change the story. So I, that's like my mission I'm trying to, because sometimes it's not only, I have the space, right? Like I'm part of the 1% of uh, creative agencies founded by a, by a woman, but I just don't want to be that. I also want my company to be, 90% female, and I want my clients to also be female. Like, I want everyone to have the space. So I think it's all about giving them space. Like, once you put them in a situation of win, they will win. Yeah, they're telling me that uh, it's, it's amazing. Sorry, Mike, I'm going to let you ask the last question. Uh, but my clubhouse was out for a minute. Uh, we got one minute, Mike. You got something to add, but when we finish up? Yes. In addition, Alejandro, we should definitely talk more. I have some amazing female-led businesses that I'm working with down here in Miami that I think could really benefit from you. Um, what's the So in addition to authenticity, what's the next most important thing that you instill in people and your clients in having an effective relationship? Hey, so they can be authentic. Can you... Repeat the question, sorry. What, what else? After, yep, after authenticity, what else is it that oh. matters? Gotcha. So I think it's not only about authenticity, as you said, but it's also data. <laughs> I'm all about data right now, and my team is all about data. And I think if you don't understand data, you won't be learning and you won't be growing. So I think it's all about people and data, authenticity and data. That's that's all. Got it. Thank you so much for that. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I just, I just want to say, like, looking forward to keep connecting with you guys, and thank you for the opportunity. And, of course, I'm happy to support people in Miami because my agency is also the creative agency of the city, so excited. Thank you Fantastic. so much, Alejandro. We'll have thank you back. You. We have more shows for you. Of course. Looks like Dave might have froze. There we go. Thank you. All right. For anyone who right. couldn't see, it's crowing, C-R-O-I-N-G.com. There you go, Dave. You're back. Crowing.com with Alejandra. Sorry, man. I, my, they keep telling me club.